Time now for sports on 104.7 The Cave. Here's Ned Reynolds. Mike, the intern, Ned Reynolds, back in the studio on a Thursday morning. So I never bet against or for my Kansas City Chiefs. They're too close to my heart. Actually, any team, to be quite honest with you, if I like them, I don't never put money on that game ever because my, my, my emotions. Money, at the, it is chocolate chips. I'm sorry. I don't know how many times you have to correct me. <laughs> but I never put chocolate chips on it because it's too. It, I, get too I get already too emotional just watching the game as a fan, let alone putting chocolate chips on it. Cocoa nibs. But uh, I know you got your finger on the pulse. Uh, what are the guys in Vegas saying? You don't understand the excitement of watching games when you have a little chocolate chip or two riding on the game. You have an altogether different outlook on things. Oh, I know you do. The Chiefs are a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm a little bit surprised it's that large. Denver's been playing very well. But nine-and-a-half is what they put, and the over-under is surprisingly low, 46-and-a-half. So evidently, the smart money feels like Denver will hold on to the ball, keep the Chiefs off the field, and the Chiefs really haven't been scoring, in all honesty, at great lengths and the amount that they have in recent games. Well, they did against, they had, what, 41 against the Las Vegas Raiders, but that was something of an anomaly, an outlier, so to speak, because the other games have been very close, 13-7, 20-17, games of that caliber. So to that end, the smart money thinks it'll be a low-scoring game. 46.5 is the over-under, but 9.5 Chiefs is the spread. Like I said yesterday or earlier this week, I can't remember, I think what's going to happen, and this lines up with what my thought process is, is they're going to come out, attack early, and just maintain. And that's what they do. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, that, that takes the stress off your players. That takes the stress off your playmakers. You let the O-line do their job, and if they're clicking and that's the way it's going to work, that's the way it's going to work. It doesn't work if your defense doesn't play, but luckily our defense has been playing. Well, they have against against fractured quarterbacks. I don't mean that in the literal sense. We're fracturing them, Ned. Come on. QBs have not played very well against Kansas City, partially because of the rush, but partially because all the QBs the Chiefs have faced are immobile individuals because of injuries and because of the elderly condition of their whole or, or rookies. But the fact is, they'll be facing a pretty good one here. Teddy Bridgewater can move. He can throw the ball. He has Denver on a roll. Heck, they walloped the Dallas Cowboys a couple weeks ago. Rolled over the Los Angeles Chargers big last week. So uh, while they are an underdog and while they will probably lose, they're going to give the Chiefs a pretty good little battle. They are going to give the Chiefs a pretty good little battle. Um, Tonight, Thursday night football. Cowboys Saints. Cowboys have lost two in a row. Saints have got an issue at quarterback. It's uh, it's kind of like a repeat of last week. You got two wounded animals that are just going to be battling it out. And the Cowboys will not have their head coach. He's out because of COVID, as is a member of their staff. So they are really in a telltale game here against the Saints. The Saints haven't been very good at all. Philadelphia blew them out of the ballpark a couple weeks ago. They haven't played good, solid football. They're a down team this year. But neither has Dallas. After all this hype about how Dallas was headed for the Super Bowl because they're playing so well, well, the Chiefs took a lot of starch out of them, and they haven't played very well since. The Raiders beat them on Thanksgiving Day. Well, now they come in tonight to play the Saints. The Saints, uh, as you mentioned, a wounded team. Interested to see how Dallas reacts to this, if they can, if they have the people to do it. We'll see uh, who's the interim coach for Dallas. You know who's calling the shots? The defensive coordinator. Okay, so he's the one who's going to step up and do it. Well, we'll see what happens, man. Like I said, I was one of the first, and I'm not the biggest Dallas fan in the world, but at the beginning of the season, I was one of the first people to stand up and say, these guys are the real deal. It's 
any given Sunday all season long, my man. That's the way this season has gone. So most of the time I have to stop Ned from beating everybody up, but in January I think I'm just going to have to let you loose at this big event. (laughs) Well, it will be very big for boxing aficionados because it's not a ring event. No, 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 but it's it's a a banquet. It's a banquet that's coming up to benefit Smitty's Gym over on South Scenic in Springfield. Uh, Daryl Smith has the boxing club over there, and he has arranged on January 8th to bring in the former world heavyweight champion, Larry Holmes. Oh, hey, and all right. Larry Holmes owned boxing from the late 1970s right through, well, the advent of Mike Tyson through the uh, mid-1980s. And Holmes was a great champion, great champion. He'll be here to speak, talk a little bit about his boxing career. We'll watch some of his boxing highlights. And that's all going to occur on January 8th at Hands up on uh, up on North Glenstone here in Springfield. Should be a lot of fun. Tickets are over at Smitty's Gym, 648 South Scenic. It should be a very memorable evening. I think most of anybody in boxing remembers Larry. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. Well, we got the same last name. And um, if I give you some boxing gloves, you think you'd sign them for me? Oh, I'm sure he would. Come on, Ned. you got to give me that <laughs> signature, brother. So, last night it was kind of a weird deal for the Missouri State Bears to play this early of a conference game. It was an early test in a season that's kind of been shaky. Did they right the ship or what? No, they did not. They gave one away, and I don't think Dana Ford will deny that at all. Bears led almost the entire game oh, God, against you hate Illinois State. Man. Playing the Redbirds up at the Redbird Arena, which is Dana Ford's alma mater, but they're playing playing well, shooting the ball well, shooting at a very high percentage. Gage Prim is having a big night. He ended up with 27 points and I think 13 or 14 rebounds, somewhere around there. And the Bears have the lead with three and a half minutes to go, have a lead of nine points. They get outscored 11-2 to in the final three and a half minutes of this game. Illinois State forces a tie and overtime and wins it in the overtime 79-74. to Boy, these are tough games to lose. That's a conference opener. There'll be, of course, many more conferences, many chance to right the ship. But going to lose one like that when you had the lead virtually the entire game and then let it get away like that. That one sticks in the crawl. Big it time. definitely does, especially when it's an early test of what's going to happen later on down the line. That's a, that's a scary situation, and this is one of those games, like we mentioned earlier in the season, that could come back to bite the Missouri you know, State Bears. Illinois State is picked down to the lower regions I of know. the valley, and then to come away with a win like that, that hurts. That's not good. How do you explain? You don't. It's just one of those just things. the nature of the rhythm of the game. It just gets away from you. Man, unfortunate. Well, now, uh, some also bad news is that the agreement between the players and owners in baseball has come to an end as of today. What now? Actually, to be specific time-wise, as of one minute before 11 o'clock last night. So I was kind of still half awake, half asleep. You, would you really stay out? Are they going to do it? Ah, oh, damn they it. They did. They were, there, was, there were no... <laughs> I think they had a session yesterday, but it was a non-productive session between the owners and the players. So the agreement has come to an end, and almost immediately, Major League Baseball said, we are locking that, uh, locking the teams out and locking the players out. That's the way it works. The owners have that uh, part of their overall governance of the game to do that, so they are locking the doors. Now, what's that mean? Well, it means the players cannot use any of the facilities. Major League Baseball is shut down. There are no deals. Nobody can sign a contract. Nobody can do anything. Well, that kind of puts baseball in a limbo right now. Hopefully, it won't last very long. Hopefully, these sides will get together and continue to hammer out this agreement. But now, 
The only deadline they face is spring training mm-hmm. coming up. The baseball winter meetings, to my knowledge, are not going to be held. That's where a lot of deals take place. Many of the deals took place before all this happened. They did it on purpose. Max Scherzer, for yeah, instance, they knew it was coming. who's one of the chief negotiators for the players, he signed his $43 million a year contract ahead of time. Didn't bother him any. <laughs> but the fact is that the baseball is shut down. Now, keep in mind, folks, in this area, Baseball, Major League Baseball, is shut down if, God forbid, if there is a strike or if the season does not start on time, that does not affect the minor leagues. They go on as planned. In fact, I visited with some of the Springfield Cardinals officials yesterday, and they said, oh, yeah, that's exactly right. Facilities open, all that stuff. Oh, yeah, everything's for the minor minor league players. But if you're on the 40-man Major League roster, you better not cross that line because you will be a scab. Ah, so, you know, I know you're, like I said last hour, you get your finger on the pulse. What's the uh, over-under on this thing getting done before... uh... I'm going to guess, uh, just as a guess, maybe an optimistic guess. Before Christmas. No. No? No, no. Before Valentine's Day. Which is February 14th, I would hope before Valentine's Day. Okay. So we can hearts and flowers. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Well, hopefully you get a big box of chocolates and a new contract between... In the players and owners wrapped up with some roses. All right, I'll make sure that happens. I'll 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 lead a trail of rose petals <laughs> to the contract for you when you walk in here. Uh, we do have uh, high school basketball uh, getting ready to start rolling up in the area. When does that tip off? Some of the smaller schools have already begun, but for almost all of them, it is this week, and they usually and will this year begin with a lot of tournaments. There is a tournament going on, the Arvest Invitational at Parkview, Springfield Parkview. There are tournaments in Republic and Willard and. Morrisville and Stratford, there is all level of prep basketball going on, and it will continue right through the holidays. Of course, you have the blue and gold, mm-hmm. and later on, the Bass Pro Shops Tournament of Champions is here. That should be an absolute dandy in mid-January, and right on through until the state championships, which are again in Springfield. Thank you, sportsman. Man, so much competition coming through the area. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, Ned, I will start working on your Valentine's Day gift now. <laughs> I'll make some phone calls. You have a great Thursday. I'll see you tomorrow.